My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Welcome to the first Fight Game Podcast. Uh, alongside me today is my buddy Doon. What's up, man? Hey, Gigi. How's it going? It's been a while since we've uh, done one of these. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that we're recording today because um, you know this is the first sort of rebranding of the old FGB radio, uh, rebranded as the new Fight Game Podcast podcast or fight game pod or fgp i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the sort of the nickname part of it but um it, it's 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 kind of a cool time because uh we've rebranded the podcast and i think I'm, we're going to do a lot more of them uh including a project that you and i have to finish still um but uh it's actually it's actually a good timing because we've put all of our podcasts on soundcloud so if you go to soundcloud.com slash fight game pod you'll see all of our stuff there including the historical wrestlemania 30 for 30 podcasts that big d myself and then big d and draven and jason hagholm was also uh, i think on the first 10 of those um i've put those up as well just to kind of keep them because they're they're really cool uh historical features um and you know we're gonna do more stuff like that um again uh, uh, with with the new branding um, it, it, we're going to try to, uh, get in many places, including, uh, the iTunes store, uh, for podcasting, um, and other places where people, you know, find audio. So we're going to have a, a, sort of a, I think I called it a, a rebranding or a refocusing of the show. Um, and part of that is, uh, kicking it off, uh, and doing it again and recreating it again with, with doing here. Uh, the thing about this show is, uh, whenever I get to talk with doing, he uh, obvi- uh if you if you've listened to us before he's the boxing guy he has all the all the uh stories and news and and insight on on that side of uh, fight game blog and but also he we talk MMA and pro wrestling too so he's kind of like the triple threat whereas uh, some of us are a little bit more focused on specific genres uh, uh of the of the uh, the website so all that being said I wanted to get all that out of the way we will be uh, doing more audio, basically, including uh, a couple of feature projects uh, based around uh, pro wrestling uh, with my friend John LaRocca that will be coming this summer. So just wanted to, you know, make everyone aware of that. And then we can kind of get into things here. Um, doing so we had talked about the things that we were, we wanted to go over in this podcast. I think it's I think it's best to lead with uh, a lot of the boxing stuff because um, it's going to be quite an interesting uh, summer and fall and maybe even past that for for boxing. Um, but there's also been some stuff that's that's been happening, including last week, the uh, Errol Spence and Kell Brook fight, which I didn't see um, because I still refuse to pay the uh, $20 for Showtime or whatever. But um, but I heard it. But I heard it was it was a good fight. And uh, Spence stopped Brook in the 11th round. 
Um, and it seemed, I mean, I, I've seen reports about uh, Brooks's opposite eye was the one that was damaged from the from the Triple G fight here. Uh, break down uh, what happened and, and, and recap the fight. Yeah, I thought going into this, like, you know, this was almost kind of being, the fight was almost being slept on a little bit. Cause I really think these are two of the best welterweights out there. I don't think, you know, whoever came out of this had a good sh- shout as being uh, number one right up there with uh, Keith Thurman. Um, you know, you've got one guy who was undefeated, the other guy, one loss on his record, and that loss was to, you know, the best fighter, two divisions up. So, like, two really well-matched guys. Um my only worry going into it was that maybe Brooke was taking this at the wrong time. You know, he we I just mentioned that loss. It was to Gennady Golovkin up a middleweight, you know, and he, he was dropping back down two divisions to take this fight. And also he had that issue that you mentioned with the injury. And I just worried that, he, you know, this was too big a fight to come right back into. And um, whether that was the case or not, or whether that affected the outcome, I'm not sure, you know. We saw a really, really good fight for 11 rounds. You know, Brooke led it off early early going. He seemed to have the measure um, of Spence in that, for that early, those early, you know, six, seven rounds, maybe around seven, eight, Spence started to take over. And then, you know, as Brooke faded and Spence put on the pressure, he was able to, you know, wear him down and take him out. It, obviously, as you mentioned, the the eye injury came up again. This time it was the other side of on Kelbrook, and I don't know how that worked out. But whether you know that was just bad luck, or is it something that when it happens on one side, you're more prone to risk on the other. But either way, uh, you know, it's a really big win for Errol Spence. You know, he's right up there in the mix, and there's you know a few big fights I'd li- like I'd really like to see for him at, at Welter at the moment whether that's you know Keith Thurman uh, Danny Garcia I'd, you know I'd love to see him in there with Pacquiao as well but I just don't think Manny's going to be <laughs> putting himself back in the firing line like that at, the, at this stage of his career but you know there's great fights out there for for Spence now and you know he, he looked like somebody had the goods for a while, but, you know, he didn't have that one signature win on his record. You know, he's got that now um, w- w- with this win over Brooke. And, you know, on Brooke's side, it's it's real real tough loss for him because you don't really know where he go- goes from here. You know, two fights ago, he was 36-0 and and he looked like, you know, one of the top fighters in the world. You know, he'd beaten Sean Porter, who was the guy, you know, most people were avoiding in this division. And, you know, he still couldn't get get the big fights made, and that made him jump up two divisions to fight Golovkin. He took he took the risk just to get a big name in there, and you know it ended up he ended up having that injury in that fight, and you know now he's come back, he's come back, you know, fought one of the toughest guys again, and he's lost again, you know, another injury. You don't know. This could be the end for Brook. You know, you you don't know. Um, so it, things have turned around quickly, and I think. You know, he is somebody who's who's been a great talent. So, if, if, if or, and you know, somebody that people will have always kind of expected could have went a lot further. If 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 you know, this is the end of the road for him. And now looking back, taking that triple G fight and jumping up two weight classes, the punishment that that he may have taken in that fight. Uh, I'm sure, you know, they made it worth his while to do that. And like you said, he was having a hard time finding fights. But looking back, you know, if if he never recaptures uh, what he what he had, do you think it, you think it would, you would look back at it uh, as a mistake? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was a mistake at the time. You know, I thought they should have waited their time and, you know, the, the doors would open up eventually. I, th- I thought it was crazy to go go up to fight Golovkin. You know, Golovkin was, was beating up, you know, all the best middleweights at that stage. And, I think the thing you had to say about is, is, had to say about Brook is he gave him gave a real good go of that. Like people kind of forget that he for five six rounds against Golovkin, he you know it, it was neck and neck. He landed the big shots, and then it was, it was the weight it was the weight difference started to tell, and you know Golovkin's punches started carrying carrying that way a bit more behind them, and you know that's when Brook fell apart. But you know if, if to go up two divisions. Uh, and you know, take a take a guy like Golovkin out of his comfort zone is an incredible achievement. And you know, with that win over Porter, and then you know how well he did against Spence. I think he is, you know, a really, really one of the top fighters to come out of the UK in a long time. So if if this if this is the end of his career, it would be a real real shame. Uh, where where does Spence go? Where 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 do you think that he's looking to go next? Uh... In, in this, you know, post Mayweather uh, welterweight time frame, I know. It, 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 I think we're at a stage now where, you know, as well as Mayweather being gone, I think the Mayweather Pacquiao era is over now. I think, I think if Floyd's going over to fight off to fight Conor McGregor, I think you can write him off as a serious boxer for the for like a, he's he's not going back to fight the top guys in boxing after doing that. I just don't see it happening. Um, Pacquiao, you know, is 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 made it quite clear that you know he's taking some lesser fights. So I think that era is over, and you know it's a bit of a land grab among among the rest. You've you've got you know Thurman, you've got Danny Garcia, you uh, you know, and you've got Spence. They would be probably the three guys in this division, and maybe Terence Crawford if he moves up, they'd be the guys you'd be looking at to, to you know uh, for the new number one. Um, I think the era, like, like you said, the Mayweather uh, Pacquiao era is over. Which may also mean, um, from a really like a like a pay per view prize fighting standpoint, um, you know that that whole game changes. Uh, the HBO Showtime game sort of changes, and and you know who knows with with Premier um, how how that's going to work because you know if you, if you if you look at it on the standpoint of star power and stuff like those guys are still uh, as good as they are. They're they're very. Um, unknown outside of you know really you know smart boxing fans and and so you know you see what de la hoya is doing with uh, canelo and now triple g uh you know they finally signed that fight it just seems like there's a lack of star power in boxing even though the quality of fighters is is absolutely not down why, why do you think that is um i think there's been a struggle to establish new stars in US TV. Like I think you've you've got guys over to a certain level. I think you know Crawford has been been a good regional draw. Um, you know Thurman to a certain degree has been a good TV draw. Guys like Adrian Broner, you know, attract audiences. Danny Garcia, but you haven't really got the. Uh, the Mayweather or Pacquiao in there, I guess, you know, the, the one guy you do have is uh, Canelo. He's, he's the one who's, who's been the difference maker. And, you know, can he, he bring Golovkin along with him? And, you know, maybe, you know, that, that, that will be the transition. Maybe welterweight won't be the money deficient in boxing. Maybe it'll be, it'll move up to middleweight. 
Um, one guy that that made a pretty big name for himself uh, several weeks ago was Anthony Joshua, someone who you had targeted very early on and uh, hipped me to him and just have been, you know, riding that for, for a while now. And he stepped up in competition, stepped way up in competition, um, handled himself very well and uh, beat Klitschko uh, in, in a very uh, exciting and dramatic fight to, which, to where people, you know, were saying like, oh, the heavyweight division is back. Like, this is the guy. Um, it, it was probably pretty... Uh, pretty surreal for you to see that happen since you've been following him um, from, you know, such from the beginning of his career, essentially. Uh, What did you think about the performance and like, you know, just the whole part of him really uh, growing into this role? And also, you know, the other thing is, is he ready to take on this mantle of an opportunity? You know, it's crazy. I think this is even a bigger game changer than people realize. Um, you know, we've, for so long, people have been talking about who's the next great heavyweight. You know, this has been going on since since Mike Tyson's prime. Like, people have been looking for, for the next great heavyweight to try, try to usher in a new era. And, you know, Joshua was one we saw early on and we thought, you know, maybe this actually is the guy. And when they put him in this fight you know it was a big risk i think a lot of people felt that you know when well certainly i did when joshua moved up the world title he got it to fight against charles martin it was the right fight at the right time but i think most people would have ideally waited for another two or three before moving him into world title fights and then i think it was the same again with this i think you know it was the, the opportune time to, to fight klitschko but i think you know, this was the riskiest fight out there in the division for him. So, you know, I think you probably would have, if you had the time, you would have waited with him because Joshua is still a young guy. He's still learning. Uh, you could have, like, you could have waited two to three fights, but then maybe Vladimir Klitschko wouldn't still be around to make the big fight. And you had to, you had to, they had to roll the dice on it. Um, it was such a, a big success. Like, obviously, you did 90,000 in Wembley Stadium. There's 1.5 million in the UK pay-per-view, which is just enormous. It's uh, the, the record for UK pay-per-view. Like, that is a massive game changer. And Anthony Joshua is a big, big, big star coming off this. And I, it was also, like, a great, great fight, which, you know, a lot of the time when you get, you know, the two top guys in these hype matches, you don't see the best fights because you get a lot of nerves you get a, lot, a very very strategic place these are two guys who laid it all out there um, and you know it was one of the great great heavyweight battles we've seen over the last number of years I'd say and uh, you know Vladimir Klitschko deserves his credit for that as well you know this guy of 41 I think we'll look back at this and, and think of it as you know a great Vladimir Klitschko performance in the end because when we see what Joshua goes on to do for him to you know go 11 rounds with, with him and, you know, have Joshua on the floor and be close to winning it at one point. I think, you know, you'll, people will look back on that in later years and think of it, you know, this really was, you know, a, a great Vladimir Klitschko performance. And, you know, a lot of people have been cr- critical of Flat over the years. You know, I think that's nonsense to, to be totally honest with you. He's the guy who's kept this division alive for the last you know, a decade or so. Like heavyweight boxing, I was a lot to him, but you know, it's time for a new era now. And uh, that's, that's Anthony Joshua. Now in the middle of that fight, when Klitschko started to take over, 
uh, Joshua ran out of steam. Uh, he he got put down to a knee and in, in, in kind of a a weird knockdown, just sort of stopped in his tracks, kind of knocked down. Um, were, how, what were you feeling at that moment, knowing that okay, you know he he put on a great performance for you know for the first half of this fight, and now it looks like the wily veteran is going to use you know all of his skill sets to come back and and win this fight because there was a little bit of a pit in my stomach and not because I'm a much bigger Joshua fan than I am a Klitschko fan. But if you are interested in sort of like the future, this was a fight that you were, you know, everybody was betting on, on Joshua to win because they wanted him to be that next guy. Uh, and, and so as you see him sort of stumbling his opportunity away, what, how are you feeling at that moment? I thought, I thought he was done. Um, it showed a tremendous heart and determination from him and cardio as well to you know because you know i think joshua had punched himself out which was what what led to flad taking over the fight and you know to be able to recuperate and get himself back into that fight and also just a, a very level head for a young man who doesn't have a lot of experience you know he took those one or two rounds where he did almost nothing and just kept himself in the fight and then he fired back and you know put the pressure on and when he got that opportunity to take Klitschko out he d- he didn't leave it to the judges he, he he finished the fight when he could and you know took it out of their hands so it was I think this was a big performance and I think you know what Joshua had been lacking and why why you know this was such a risky match was he didn't have the experience you know and Flad is the most experienced guy out there I think he'll have learned so much in this fight I think if they were to fight again it would be a much different fight. And I think Josh would probably dominate. I don't think Vladimir should come back from it. I think, you know, this is, this is a good last hurrah from him. I think it would be a mistake for him to, to, you know, to choose that rematch with Joshua. So is it, that was the talk that I heard was that that might be the next fight. If it's not, um, how long until they try to put together something with Wilder? That would be the one I would I would target next. Um, you know, there's a few guys out there. There's Joe Parker. There's Yui uh, Fury. There's um, I guess there's uh, Tony Bellew after beating David Hay as well. And you know, even David Hay, even though he's coming off a loss, you know, he's always been able to talk himself into a good fight. All he needs is one big knockout, and he's back in the picture. So there is guys out there, and you know, I guess also the one who's on the outside looking in is Tyson Fury. Which you know, if he can get back in the picture. He, him and Joshua would be another huge fight. Now, Fury has had his difficulties away from the ring, and if he was to make a make a comeback, and I would like to see him fight two to three times before he goes in at that level. I think if he went straight into a world title fight, he would probably lose and lose fast at the moment. Um, but so for me, the f- fight to make right now is uh, jo- Joshua Wilder, and you know that's just another guaranteed fireworks. There's, two big guys both really aggressive both go for the finish so like i don't see that going more than two or three rounds but i think it's <laughs> going to be a fair, very good two or three rounds while, while it's on yeah I, I i do wonder if you go to that too quickly though that you risk some of the um the opportunity to to make that fight a little bit bigger but um then you also risk you know either guy possibly losing along the way because i think if uh, if you're banking on uh, some of these these two young guys to be able to sell a fight, I feel like uh, there there is some time to to do that and and uh, putting them together next. Uh, 
would be would be a hell of a hell of a fight just just from a you know something that you look forward to. But I wonder if they would uh, you know lose possible future business by by doing it that way. Um, but uh, I, I wanted to move along, and, and we had some other topics that uh, that we wanted to talk about. But just in lieu of you know trying to keep this uh, from going too long. Um, I want to go. I want to jump to a fight that is happening um, very soon, which is Andre Ward and um, and Kovalev, uh, the, their second fight. What what do you what do you think is going on with Sergey? Um, just really going on the offensive with the trash talk. Like, why do you think he's doing that? And what what is he? Is he just trying to hype the fight because of the disappointing? Um, the disappointing business that the first one did, like maybe this is what he feels because Andre won't necessarily do it. Or do you think he's really, uh, you know, really upset and, and is, is sort of letting his frustrations out in that way? I have a feeling, yeah, it could be quite telling that, you know, Kovalev is upset. And I think, you know, maybe that first fight did get it, get in his head a little bit. You know, he was, his guy has got so used to just knocking everybody out and, I, when I look at that first fight now, I, I look back and I think, I like Ward big in the second fight. You know, if Ward didn't have that bad start the first time, he would have won by a much, much clearer distance than he did. Uh, I think I think Kovalev fell into his trap as that fight went on. And, you know, Ward had him figured out in the second half of it. And that's what that's what I see round 13 being. You know, I see, see Ward picking up where he's left off and maybe like, you know, winning eight, nine, you know, 10 rounds this time around. So I, I think he's trying to get any little edge he can to get get into Ward's head uh, and maybe give him some, give him some a little bit of advantage, maybe get, get, get under Ward's skin and let Ward maybe try have a shootout with him or, you know, t- t- take shots that he doesn't need to be taking. I believe the uh, 24-7 on that fight is on very soon. But I still feel, and 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 maybe this is just there's just not um, you just can't do a lot with this one. But I still feel like you know it's under hyped. Like I feel like um, there should be a, they should be doing a lot more in in getting um, you know in getting both of these guys uh, over as not only you know two of the best in the game, but just like you know this is like a this this should be a much bigger fight than it is. And it's not getting nearly the amount of publicity, and it won't do. You know, it probably won't do that that great of business the second time around. I just feel like the marketing of it and everything has just been a letdown for for both of the the fights, the first one and and this one. Yeah, it's strange because you know I think both Ward and Kovalev individually, their brands had been you know developing nicely, but I think. You didn't really by by matching the two of them together and being the two top top guys in that division. It really didn't add add anything add anything to what what their average fight would be. I don't think. Yeah, and and, and you know Ward is is uh, an amazing boxer. He's not necessarily the most exciting guy to watch, I, and and I think that's uh, I think that's an understatement. Um, but you know he he's more slick than he is uh, exciting. Um, and he doesn't have the personality necessarily to pull off anything other than what he does, which is he's just uh, he's a, a family guy and, and he's a religious guy. He's 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 likable, but he's not going to give you a lot because he's focused on his craft. 
Um, and Kovalev, uh, on the other hand, this is a little bit of a, of a change of personality for him being so uh, outspoken in this fight about what he wants to do to, to Ward. But I think in general, you just have two like really good guys getting into the ring who are just also really good at their sport. And, and maybe maybe that thing, that is a little hard to sell. Um, but so you're predicting a ward by a little bit more of a, of a margin this time. I, I mean, I agree with you. The, the, the one the I, I can't think of, um, I actually heard ward on, on Bill Simmons's podcast and he made, uh, something that, that, uh, he made some sense that I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree with him, which is, you know, by, and sort of like what you said is by the second half of that fight, he had it figured out and ward thinks he's like, look, by round 13, Unless he drastically changes his what he does, which I don't think he can, um, I'm just going to continue doing the things that I was doing to to win the fight, and I think it's going to be a lot easier this time. Now, when you're dealing with somebody like Kovalev, that may sound fairly braggadocious, but I found that statement to be more matter of fact in that Ward sees this as sort of like you would see a math problem in, in a sense and and he just says okay like I know how to I know how to solve this and I just have to go out and actually follow game plan and do it yeah absolutely um like I think that that like obviously you know there is the, the big writer on this is can Kovalev collect? Kovalev hurt him badly the first time around. Um, you know, Ward is a little bit of a smaller guy. He isn't really a light heavyweight, I don't think. And, you know, Kovalev is one of the, like, pound for pound hardest punchers in the sport. If, if you know, if he does make a mistake early, that's, that's Kovalev, Kovalev's opening. But I think, you know, once Ward settles into this fight, if you get into round three, four, five, and Ward is boxing, I think this is, you know, you're looking at a blowout on the cards. <laughs> So uh, that fight will be happening in the in the next couple weeks, but there is another fight that is happening in September that was just recently signed um, after the very sad showing by Julio Cesar Chavez. But I, I guess if you think about it, it probably wasn't too surprising. He did, I think, he did um, fool some folks with the kind of shape that he got in to fight uh, to fight Canelo, but. Um, this fight, I have been arguing with folks to say, look, De La Hoya is playing this absolutely the right way. Like, he's got the A side. He doesn't have to, um, you know, give up his leverage to make Canelo, or I'm sorry, to make Triple G uh, a star. It's up to Triple G's side in this case to prove that they are worthy to uh to you know to face Canelo because of the fact that Triple G is just really really damn good and a loss to to you know to Triple G could hurt Canelo's uh, uh rise a little bit and so um you know everybody who doesn't really understand the business side of things you know of course they wanted to see these two guys fight but the fact that they didn't fight wasn't because of anything other than business and so you know, now it seems, based on the agreement, that the business is right for uh, for De La Hoya and Golden Boy. Um, is there anything that you've seen uh, in these, you know, in both guys' fights lately that would make you think that Canelo has a better chance today than he may have had uh, a year ago or a year and a half ago? 
Yeah, I think they held off on this until the time was right. I think the demand is right for it now. I think they let that let that simmer for a little bit. I think if they had it went when people started calling for it, I think we would have been kind of in the situation we, we were with what we just spoke about with Warden Kovalev, where, you know, okay, you've got two top guys, but is, you know, Golovkin against Canelo any bigger than Canelo against anybody else? You know what I mean? I think, you know, by, by allowing the demand build, you know, I think... I, th- I th- think it's added a lot to this fight. And you might even look at, like, that Chavez fight as being a necessary evil. You know, that put a, a, a lot of eyes on Canelo and it put a lot of eyes on when they did, when they did that uh, b- big sell job for, for this fight coming up, you know. And, you know, I think that will sell, sell it as much as anything. Um, in terms of the matchup itself, I think... You know, also, they, uh, Canelo and Oscar, Oscar have played this quite well. I think, you know, it's possible we're seeing signs that Golovkin is n- not over the hill, but perhaps slightly slowing down a little bit on the slide. You know, he he did have a very tough fight with Kell Brook, as, as, as I said. He was a guy two-weight two division smaller than him. And then he really struggled with Danny Jacobs. I, I would imagine that Canelo looked at those fights and now's the, now's the time to go for this. It. It just, and, and, and you know, Triple G, the, the, the thing that Triple G fans will tell you is like, oh, well, he has to allow himself to get hit so that these guys engage, or he has to look uh, a little less than uh, the world beater that he really is so that someone would fight him. And I mean, maybe there's a tiny percentage of that where he is doing some gamesmanship there. But I just think, you know, if you're if you are used to getting hit a little bit more than than necessary, like I think that's a bad thing. Um, can, you know, Canelo is uh, I think he's he's it's a little bit unfair because of the fact that he had to face Mayweather so early and before he was ready simply because, you know, Showtime uh, was so invested in Mayweather and they needed, uh, that fight to, to, you know, to, um, make, to make the cost of Mayweather, uh, worth it. And so Canelo was kind of like a lamb thrown to the slaughter there. Um, I don't think that loss necessarily hurts him from the perspective of, uh, you know, is now does it stop him from being one of the all time greats or one of the great fighters of our era or whatever, but it does, make it seem like um you know he was so hyped and and all it took was 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 Mayweather to kind of put him in his place a little bit uh, i i i just it, it's kind it's kind of an unfair way to look at Canelo's career when you look at it based on that one fight and i think for him to really come full circle on that beating triple g would do it and I think in the eyes of folks who go, well, he's no Mayweather, he's not, you know, no, nobody is. But I think that would really, really uh, make him into the star that, that I, you know, that, that I think everyone thought he could be. Uh, but he's going to have to beat this guy. And uh, I think he has a better chance today than he did a year and a half ago. Some of it, like you said, because they waited and they allowed Canelo to, to get a little bit bigger naturally, which is kind of the, the right way to do it. And also because Triple G uh, has shown a little bit of uh, some signs of uh, of some weakness, whether you agree or, or not that it's um, really weakness and not just him kind of 
having to having to to fight a specific way to get guys to engage. Yeah, and like this is this is the most the most credible win uh, Canelo could possibly get. And you know the other thing you have to you, you, people will say after this is you know it was the guy Mayweather did, wouldn't fight. Like May, Mayweather had no interest in fighting Golovkin ever. So you know that would be another feather in the cap of Canelo could, could get this win. Now you know if you had asked me ten months ago how this fight would go, go I would have been very heavy on Golovkin knockout. Now I feel it's in the balance. You know, and I know there are a lot of very smart folk who. Who who like Canelo in this? Um, Steve Bunce, who's been around b- boxing longer than anybody, you know, uh, he 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 fancies Canelo big in this. He thinks this is this, he's getting him at the right time, and you know he's gonna he's he's gonna dominate this fight. So, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting one, you know, and uh, it, 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 it's it's Canelo's chance to prove himself. I think I would feel a lot better taking Canelo, and I still I, I'm still leaning that way. If Chavez could have hit him with anything to show that, okay, when he gets hit with a big shot, you know, he can take it. Because Chavez didn't do anything, and thus, I, I, I think that's still sort of unanswered on whether or not Canelo can take a punch from a bigger and stronger guy and uh, and survive and, and deal with it, you know, deal with it well. Uh, and uh, that's the only thing that, that I think worries me a little bit is I just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, well, we're you know we're definitely going to get get that answer in this, in this fight. You know, you know, yeah, there's there's nobody who's going to go through a fight with Golovkin without, without taking some big bombs. So you know, you know, if if Canelo's the goods, he's going to come through it. If he if he's not, he won't. Now you you mentioned this fight a little bit earlier, Mayweather and McGregor. Um, this thing, just just the fact, just. All the the public talk about this fight, I think, is kind of what's driving me nuts about it. Not the fact that it could take place or it may take place or will take place. It's just all the, you know, both sides just publicly discussing every nook and cranny of what's going on. It just makes both sides look, um, I I don't know if petty is the right word, but like... Uh, the business sent the business part of it like a lot of a lot of these fights like the business negotiations the leverage all that stuff is so annoying yet they're so public about it with this one and i think it's kind of hurting the 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 view uh, i mean it, you know anybody with a brain knows what's going to happen here but that they're not that's not the, who they're targeting they're targeting those who don't really know about this stuff which is how you can do big business but um I'm just sick of it. Like, like, uh, just sign it and tell us when it's going to happen or not. Like, I don't need all the posturing. I don't need Mayweather making Dana White and Conor McGregor look so JV. Yeah, well, like, when the, when the rumors of this first started coming out, I was, my instant reaction was this, like, this is never going to happen. This is just posturing. And, you know, now that looks everything that makes it look like it, it's almost a sure thing. I still kind of feel like somehow it's not going to happen. Um, but I don't know. It's it's one of those things that you just look at it. You know, it's it's like when you when you have a really dumb idea and you do it anyway. <laughs> um, like I like I, 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 I like I don't see who's going to come out of this looking good in the end. And like. You know, I, does Mayweather really get that much out of, out of beating Conor, Conor McGregor? What does McGregor lose if he loses this fight? You know, I'm kind of looking at Boatman's motivations outside of money, and I'm just like, I don't see anybody coming out of this one looking good. Um, 
I think, as I said, you can shut the book on McGregor on Floyd as going back into proper fights. I think you know this is probably what what he's looking at, at from from any further boxing career, any boxing boxing matchups he has. They're going to just going to be showcases like this. And McGregor, if he like, if he does, what it does get re- embarrassed in this fight. Does that hurt? Does that hurt him moving forward? You know, going back to MMA. I don't know. Like, what is Connor's motivation in this? Does he feel like, you know, he's got a good chin? Uh, Make whether it's not a good puncher. If he can hang in there, if he goes to twelve rounds, does that look look good for him? Yeah, that that the the that and also, what if Connor makes more money in this fight? than he's made in his entire UFC career, which is a, which is a, a good amount of money. Like, wh- does he go back to the, like, why would you go back? Like, you know, his whole goal as a young fighter was to make a lot of money and then retire and live the rest of his life as, as a businessman and as someone who has all their bearings with them. Why would you then go back and take a fight with Tony Ferguson? What would what what do you think his legacy would be though if you know if he'd had what he's done in, in UFC and then you know he has one ter- like his 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 la- the last thing people know of him is one terrible showing against Mayweather where he's completely outclassed and then he just disappears into obscurity. Do you think do you think that 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 would that would affect affect how he was viewed through through time? Yeah, you know, I, I, I do wonder, like, I, you know, you look back at something like um, Ali versus Anoki and what kind, you know, how badly that, that came off. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it necessarily hurt either guy. I, I, you know, it, it didn't help Anoki because it was supposed to help launch him in, into the U.S. as, as like this, this big, this big uh, celebrity fighter. Um but I, I think I think if he didn't fight again, he would be like uh, a a meteor who came into you know mixed martial arts, uh, shocked everybody, did so much better than anybody ever thought, and uh, he would be a little bit of a mystery. You would see him; he would be the guy that everyone compares the next you know big lightweight fighter. It's like. Oh, you know, could this could this guy uh, could he beat uh, or maybe featherweight or whatever? Could he beat Jose Aldo? And you go, uh, you know, Aldo did this, Aldo did this well. I think he'd counter that. And then someone would come in and go, but he couldn't beat Conor McGregor. And then that would be the argument because, like, you would go, like, well, how do you know McGregor retired at a young age? We never really saw him, you know, lose except for the the, the Nate Diaz fight. So I think it would be more of a mystery. Uh, and his legacy would be as like this uh, sort of like this iconic, mysterious guy who, you know, sort of like how, how Bruce Lee is today, where you go, well, who would win in a fight between Bruce Lee and such and such? And everyone just picks Bruce Lee because you're supposed to pick Bruce Lee. Uh, I think it'd be something like that. But, you know, the the other thing about this is if you if you look at um, the UFC's stance here now. Mayweather, nothing to lose except for the respect of the hardcore boxing community, which he does not care about one bit. McGregor, what does he have to lose? Well, he he will lose a little bit of face, 
Um, he may he may be smart enough to talk his way out of losing that face because he's such a good talker. But you know, he, I think he'll be fine a- a- after it's all said and done. The UFC possibly could lose a lot here because you've already lost Ronda Rousey. She, you know, she the, the, just the whole thing of Ronda is just, you know is just a sort of a sad story. Um, the way her career ended, but. The other person that you had that you could sort of deal with losing Ronda Rousey, he has no interest in fighting for your organization. And if you look at the negotiation today, Floyd's company or Mayweather Promotions or whatever, the undercard's going to be all boxing. There's going to be no MMA associated with this card at all. So it's essentially Dana White getting a cut of the money just to allow Conor McGregor to lose this fight and he gets nothing else out of it. Like the, like that whole thing is just perplexing to me. And he's basing it all on trust that once Conor gets what he wants, he will stop and he'll focus back and fight in the UFC again. Yeah. You, and UFC is definitely in a transitional period. They need, they need some new stars to emerge at the moment. Um, in, 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 in the era they're, they're in, they're, uh, they're, they're really, they're really struggling to establish people. Um, I guess the question I would ask you is, is there any chance that this fight underperforms? Um, you know, it is going to have a lot of critic critics, but more often than not, than not, that means nothing. You know, we saw about Mayweather Pacquiao. People were talking about boycotting that fight. It meant nothing. But my question on this one is, a regular Conor McGregor buy, buy rate with the amount of money that's on the table isn't enough here. They need to do something similar to Mayweather Pacquiao for this to make cash common sense. Can they do that type of business? I think... If you put the over under at two million pay-per-view buys, I think I would say slightly over. And the reason is because there hasn't been a huge uh A Mayweather fight for for that audience or Connor fight. Uh, since since Connor beat uh, beat um, Eddie Alvarez, and so there is uh, a marketplace for both of those guys to be uh, to be seen. Now, the timing of this thing I think is going to be crucial in that uh, you know in the business sense of that because boxing fans are going to get their big fight, the one that they've been waiting two years for, in September. So there's no need for these guys to fight later this year because the the boxing fans are already going to get their fix. So I think the planning of this fight and I think Oscar is going to do his best to, uh, you know, to try to ruin whatever whatever the plans are 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 for for it with whatever his next big fight is. But I think, you know, it would have been actually fairly interesting but Mayweather isn't going to work like this. The UFC has a bad card for their normal 4th of July weekend uh, show. But had Mayweather and McGregor been ready now, 
that UFC audience who's ready to buy like a big show every July, I think it could have worked here and there's still enough time. And then you beat, you know, you beat uh, Canelo and, and Triple G to, to, to the market. But it, it's, it, you know, it's all it's all about how much money Mayweather is guaranteed. I think, you know, if Mayweather's guarantee is so high, someone's going to lose money. And um, he is not in the business of losing money. So I think that someone is going to be the UFC or, or uh, you know, W, uh, whatever the company that, that, that uh, owns the UFC. I, I, just, I don't see Mayweather going into this thing with what Dana White wants, which is Floyd will give you 15, Connor will take 15, and then you get 70, 30 of the, of the pay-per-view revenue or whatever. Because Floyd, knowing, uh, knowing the business just about better than anybody, um, he knows what his last pay-per-view did against Andre Berto, and he knows that it's not, you know, he just can't sign his name to a contract and do a million buys now. Like, he, he's, he's proven that. So I don't know that that that's some, that's the interesting thing to me is what, whatever the guaranteed money is and where and who's who's the one that's going to take the loss if this thing does like you you know like you said uh, you know less than the 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 uh, amount that that they need to do I, that that's the unanswered question to me. Yeah, um, like I don't I don't know. You mentioned possibly doing it on you know on the UFC show. Um, is that something that UFC would like to do though, you know, if they put a boxing match as a headliner on their show, and their guy is getting destroyed, is that <laughs> something? Is is that good marketing for, for 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 them? You know, that's another that's another risk you they would have to weigh up. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I don't know if it would have to be a UFC show on a UFC show, and, and it looks like it's not going to be. It's going to be Mayweather Promotions style undercard and everything. I was just saying from a time frame, like if you wanted to time this thing to where UFC fans are kind of itching for something, and then you know Mayweather fans are itching for something, that that could have been a good a good time frame. But they just didn't get it done early enough. Now you have to wait until at least like. I'm thinking November, December, uh, maybe even further down the line. Like UFC has proven that you could do, you know, good buy rates in November, December. They actually generally do uh, good business when they have the right fights in that time frame. But Mayweather usually fights like May or September, um, and and it seems like he's been run off of his September date. So would he? Would they try to go all the way in, until May? Um, or or would would they try to fit it in, you know, by the end of this year? That, I don't I don't know, and that's that's going to be interesting as well because essentially that's what happened is they got moved off of the date that everyone had been targeting for them, and that's because you know De La Hoya beat them to uh, to to the to the big prize fight. Um. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 like I, 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 I don't know. Like it, we, we, we are still assuming that the fight happens as well. You know, it, it, like could something weird happen with this one? You know, it could be. It could it even be signed, and then you know, one of them gets a mysterious injury out of nowhere in camp or something like that. You know, I just, it just, it's never really sat sat well with me this fight, and um, I think part of that is just because. 
I'm so tired of the UFC versus boxing type thing. It's an argument that's been like dead for years and years and years. But I know every time something like this comes up, it's just it, an easy headline for tabloids and things like that. And I just I just don't want to read months more of that. And like you know, it proves nothing to anyone. If Floyd Mayweather knocks out Conor McGregor in the first second it proves absolutely nothing about boxing or or mma no it it absolutely doesn't um (laughs) and and i think that like i think the thing that holds this back is floyd going okay the guaranteed money isn't there thus it's not worth my while i think that's what stops a fight and what he's hoping is that conor mcgregor is so uh, impatient that he forces Dana White's hand and Dana White makes a bad business decision. Now, it could be a good business decision if they if they do the hype and, and everything right and they do draw something like, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao, that that is on the table. I, I'm not quite sure that the level of interest is there, but it's not like it's we've seen that it has it was able to happen. So um, what's going to you know, what what's going to be the driver for that, the intrigue or you know, McGregor running his mouth or Mayweather running his mouth, like they would, they're both going to have to do a plus hype jobs to, to drive the, the amount of money. Now, if Mayweather has his guarantee and he doesn't really care, which we have, the, which we did see during the Showtime deals to a certain right, degree. Right. And he doesn't care about the buys. Then he may not be on his a game and that would hurt Dan. like that's that's the whole sort of like the game behind the game to this that i don't think a lot of people really understand because they just want to see it either happen or not but those are kind of the negotiations behind the scenes that are the most important in this kind of thing yeah um like we'll see um i do think if the fight is going to happen, I think the end of this year is when it will happen. Um, November, December, Mayweather has not traditionally fought. Pacquiao, however, has done some big fights. Yep. I think Pacquiao, Pacquiao de la Hoya was, was that the end of November, start of December? Yeah, I think it was definitely that time frame. Yeah, so you know, you know, it's it's not impossible to do, to do shows right at the top. I know UFC have always done a big a big Christmas show for the for the last few years as well. So you know, it's not out of the wheelhouse for 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 either side to do a big show in that era. And I think are in that in that time frame. And I think if they are going to do it, then after if it go if it goes any later than that, I think it just put both guys on ice for far too long and it. And I think I I think I think you know people will will get fed up with this one. I I, I don't think this is you know the type of type of thing where you know they can drag it out, out forever because you know people think it's going to be the best fighting the best because I think you know deep down most people know that that's not what this is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I we spent a, a good amount of the of, of the show so far talking boxing, um, which I. I'm very happy to do so because I don't get to do that very often with with people, especially as knowledgeable about the stuff as you. But I do want to uh, to transition to a little bit of of UFC and WWE, and you know, I, I know you have some thoughts on on a topic that we're going to get to right at the end of the show. But um, 
Alexander Gustafsson uh, knocked uh, Glover Teixeira out last weekend to cement his stance as the number one contender for the uh, the light heavyweight championship. Now, uh, Daniel Cormier and John Jones are going to fight uh, in about uh, a little bit less than two months. Um, for their, you know, Jones is coming back from from being suspended. Uh, Cormier has defended his title a couple different times. And, uh, and and so that's sort of a big fight. But uh, Gustafson, the way that he looked against Teixeira, um, it, it almost felt to me watching the end of that fight like he's actually the one who's like, OK, you guys are holding my belt. And, and not to say that, you know, he, he's he, he's had one great fight against Jones, which he came up short in. He had another great fight against Cormier, which he also came up short in. But there was just this feeling of like, hmm, he might this might be the perfect timing for him uh, to be the number one contender to to the title. Yeah. And how crazy is that? You know, this is a guy who we actually thought might be at the end of his rope after he got knocked out by Anthony Johnson a while, while back. I mean, you look at, you know, how Anthony Johnson, uh, his, his career went. It's, it's just a really weird outlier to look back on. But, you know, Gustafsson, as he said, he gave hell to both Jones and Cormier. Um, I think, you know, maybe he's a little bit fresher than either is at the moment. I think, let's get this right. John Jones at 100, nobody is beating. Right. Daniel Cormier is not beating him. Alexander Gustafsson's up beating him. The last John Jones we saw, though, I think Gustafsson has a real shot. And I thought he looked awesome in this fight. It was a real star-making performance. He uh, just demolished Clover. And, um, you know, he had the thing after we proposing to his wife and everything. You know, he just came across like such a star. And I think, you know, that's the big fight to make. And um, I don't know. Are you picking Jones or Cormier? Um, I think it's hard to pick against John Jones. Um, you know, I think you have to pick John Jones forever until he officially loses. Uh, and and so I think I will definitely pick Jones and, you know, you know, for Cormier, the fact of the matter is, is that he, you know, he, he got into the, into the MMA game a, a little old, uh, and, and thus, you know, he is probably at the end of his, of his athletic peak and he's the champion right now, which which is kudos to him. But you know, had he got into the game, uh, you know, like Jones did at a, at a much younger age, uh, and, and you know, if they were sort of similarly aged, he may have a better shot. But um, you know, it's kind of the um, I've always, and this is not the perfect analogy, but I've always sort of seen it as like the MMA's version of Ali versus Frazier, in that. You know, Cormier has a, a chance to, uh, to 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 beat John Jones, but it's got to be more so because of what Jones does wrong than what Cormier does right. And we haven't really seen John Jones do anything wrong inside the cage. Outside the cage, you know, he's probably shortening his career because of all the stuff that he's doing. But inside the cage. He just doesn't make any mistakes, and you know maybe he made one mistake against Vitor Belfort and almost got got uh, armbarred. But outside of that, like he he just doesn't put himself into any sort of damage, and uh, and Cormier is going to need John Jones to make several mistakes for him to win the fight. I I, just, I haven't seen that, and and that's you know that that I think that's the only real way Cormier can beat him. 
Yeah, um, when you look back at the first fight, I think, you know, it, this is a really tall order for Cormier. Um, I would expect Jones to win this, but again, it'll be how he looks coming through it. You know, if 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 he looks like the, the Jones of old, then you, you he goes into the, he would go into the fight with Gustafson as the favorite. You know, if he doesn't, you know, you, you think how close Alex got that first time. It, it could be a real difference maker this time around. Like I I would absolutely not write Gustafson off in a rematch. And the thing about that is, it. John Jones uh, is fighting a version of himself fighting Gustafson. He doesn't have the length advantage. He doesn't have – I mean he will have the wrestling advantage obviously, but he, he, he's not going to have the striking advantage. So in, in, in the sense of you know he can kind of bully a lot of these other guys just because he's so athletically gifted and so long, freaky long, he won't have that advantage with Gustafson um, and he'll have to dig dig deep now based on what you believe or, or what the lore is about how Jones was in that fight against Gustafson or whether he was not in his best shape blah 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 whatever like he, it will be you know what it'll will probably be about what three years since since they fought the first time and um you know so so there's also that that piece of it but I, I agree like this is this is the fight that even as much as I like to see Daniel Cormier and John Jones because just the 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 talking and the and the um you know all the promos they're cutting on each other is really fun. The fact of the matter is is if you don't believe Cormier has much of a chance, the, the all the fun sort of dies once they get inside the cage. The fun actually will happen inside the cage with Jones and Gustafson. Yeah, and um, it, it might be a case of like you might look at Jones. We might see Jones look at a different a different style of fight this time around. You, you mentioned that you know. Fighting Gustafson takes all his advantages away. Maybe he'll move to a, a more a defensive style. Maybe he'll mo- look more to wrestle this time around, not strike. You know, not getting take those try to take those advantages away from Gustafson. Just twist the plot a little bit. You know, it's it's going to be. I think it will be a different fight anyway, just by the virtue of it being three years on. You know, a lot of time, the reason why we see repeats in rematches is because you know there hasn't been enough time uh, between the fights you know if two guys fight fight once and then fight six months after you the most likely result you're going to get is just you know the same thing again only amplified um when you have three years there's going to be some there's going to be some difference in it yeah, no, yeah, uh, totally agree, and that's it, it, actually something that we have to look forward to. And in in the UFC this year, we have some really good fights to look forward to, but not that like top level uh, main event fight. And that's something to kind of sink your teeth into. Um, and then what happens if Daniel just comes out and beats him, and then <laughs> and then it changes the whole the whole game there. Um, th- another fight that's uh, going to be really good this weekend, and again is not really getting a lot of hype. Uh, and it's partially because of, um, you know, both of their personalities. But Jose Aldo and Max Holloway is a dynamite fight. And it's one of those fights where, uh, and, and I, I have this issue in, in MMA sometimes where I don't see the guy coming sometimes until he gets there. And then I'm like, oh, shit, how did I not see that coming? 
Um, it happened with Cain uh, Velasquez to me. I was like, ah, oh, you know, Big Nog should 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 be very competitive, and he, I think he's too smart, he's too savvy. And then it happens, and he like gets knocked out like immediately. And um, and in this sense, I feel like Jose Aldo's going to win this fight. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, am I not seeing Max Holloway coming? What's going to happen here? Is Aldo too old? Is Holloway the next big thing? What am I missing? Like, that's my fear in trying to pick who's going to win this thing. Yeah, um, I think a lot of us after the McGregor fight and even kind of going into the McGregor fight thought Aldo, oh, it's burning out. Um. I don't think that's so much anymore after what he did with Frankie Edgar. He looked really, really solid still in that. And, you know, Edgar is a tough guy for any anybody. Um, this is a weird one in that, like, you know, you've got an interim champion, you've got a world champion, and I think the recognized number one is still kind of, is, is off looking, trying to fight Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> um, so... You know, it is go- it is going to fly a little bit under the radar, and I think you know this is this is the reality of the situation. You know, when you take Mayweather out of the featherweight division, there isn't kind of any shining light that's going to going to stand out on the horizon here. You these are this is probably you know as big a fight as as there is to be made a featherweight at the moment. So you know th- that kind of tells you how much McGregor did elevate that division on his own. Um, and it is still, as we, as you said, a really, really good fight. Um, I think I like Aldo in this one. I, I just see him being too strong. I think, think he'll. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll stop Holloway. Holloway, because um, he's a really tough dude. McGregor couldn't stop him. If he does stop him, I think he'll be to accumulation maybe late. Um, but I would expect Aldo to 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 win a decision in here. Uh, is you mentioned McGregor really elevating this division and, you know, we're talking, you know, buys of over a million. If this show is probably going to do, I don't know, a hundred thousand. Yeah. 250, whatever, even, even if it gets up to two, you know, it just shows the value of McGregor. And I don't want to talk about the the Mayweather thing again. But again, like it really shows you how valuable he is to that company and why I guess why Dana White has to try to make him as happy as possible, because it's just, you know, it's just such a drastic difference for business now. And, and, and a lot of people get get sick of when you talk about business, 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 because this is going to be a great fight. And that's not. And so I'm not dissing this fight at all because of the lack of business that's going to be created from it. But it just it just goes to show you exactly what you said is that it was a it was a one man division. And when you take that one man out, it goes back to what it was before and maybe even less because um, you know, you know, because I, I think this this fight is is probably going to draw less eyeballs than than most Aldo fights. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I I don't know if some of that is because he did lose the way he did to McGregor, and you know, Aldo at least the one thing he had going for him for him was you know that he was considered one of the top pen for pen fighters in the sport, if not the top pen for pen fighter in the sport, and when he got demolished by Mayweather in the or in by McGregor in the way that he did, I think you know that that hurts him moving moving forward a lot. Um, you know, he is still a really good fighter, but, you know, he's a guy who's never been 
a big draw, even when he did have that undefeatable aura about him. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's. I I think if he gets a signature win here against Holloway, he sort of cements his status. And maybe he the, maybe he can then try to draw McGregor back in into another fight. I don't know if that necessarily happens because I don't know if McGregor is ever gonna ever gonna uh, want to go down to that weight. But maybe Aldo chases him up, which probably would be a bad decision. But I would love to see those guys fight again because the first fight happened the way that it did, and there's no you know you can't say well you know if the fight if if he doesn't hit that punch because he actually did hit that punch, but you know using a different strategy for Aldo and. Uh, you know, allowing and being a little bit more patient and not playing right into uh, Connor's hands, uh, it could be a, a, a still a really, really competitive fight. Yeah, I think if if they did fight again, you would see a fight this time. I don't I don't think it would be a blowout one way or the other. I think you I think you would see a few rounds of action. Um, I I think McGregor probably just his style is probably all wrong for Aldo. And I think he's always going to struggle with that. But, you know, if McGregor was to come back, that would be one of the fights I'd most like to see from, you know, I think I would rather see him go back down, uh, down to featherweight and, you know, uh, you know, fight, fight the best in that division rather than move up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, we've kind of uh, gone through the MMA and the boxing topics, and I wanted to save a little bit of time for uh, some pro wrestling stuff. Um, you, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Extreme Rules main event uh, this Sunday because I wrote I wrote about it, so we might as well talk a little bit about you know where they go with it. But you had um, mentioned to me that there was a there was a topic on uh, on a wrestling observer radio where a, uh, uh, someone emailed uh, Brian and Dave about the uh, you know if it's ever happened where indies are up and WWE is is a little bit down because generally what happens is is indies are up when wrestling is hot and wrestling is hot when WWE is hot and so um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that and I mean, I, I, I thought it was a very interesting uh, question, too, because generally the trend doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you, you're seeing just like in the last 12 months, you've seen everywhere on like on the independence side or, you know, or it, 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 even outside of WWE uh, rise. Um, you've, you've, you've seen New Japan like really take off. Their stars have become big internationally you know kenny omega and the young bucks toward europe they sold out everywhere they they went you know now you've got new japan coming into uh to to do the shows in america which i believe you're going to if i'm correct yes i will be there um you've got like then you've got like oro h doing you know the biggest it was the biggest business they've they've ever done probably even though you know they're losing a lot of guys um and you know uh then you've got the, a lot of the local shows over in Europe, um, like you've got OTT in Ireland, you've got ICW in Scotland, Progress and Rev Pro in the UK, which are, are all doing sellouts every time they every time they run shows. You know, you, you can't get tickets for them, and okay, they're not huge shows, but it it just shows you how much things have come up over the the last few years. And then on the other hand, you kind of have, you know, WWE where 
NXT is a very hot t- ticket still, not not as hot as it was a couple of years ago, but they haven't been able to trans- translate that heat at all to the main roster. You know, even with 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 that kind of very hardcore audience, you know, it, it, it just has ha, ha, hasn't been able to to transfer over. You know, the, the, the product on on the mainstream level has been it just felt very jaded. You know, even when you see them sign a lot of these guys who are really over on the indies are on are, are in an NXT it just it, that heat hasn't been transferred to the main roster which is just interesting you know I think and I think it is in part because there's a lot of groups out there just doing really interesting stuff there's a lot of US indies doing good stuff there's New Japan doing good stuff um, you know and then there's European promotions and what you're seeing now is you, you're getting these guys have options to work elsewhere you know they 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 can take bookings on the indies and you know make make a good living and they can take bookings in Japan they can take bookings in Europe so there are other options outside of WWE and it just feels like a whole new scene has emerged over these maybe last twelve to eighteen months that we didn't have before and so I think the I, a couple of things based on what you said which is um, one I, I have actually seen the rise of the indies uh, in my own backyard because APW, which is the the, the, the biggest uh, local independent um, company around me, uh, they just ran the Cow Palace and did, you know, close to 3,000 people in that building. Um, and, you know, that's that's a really big number for, for independent wrestling uh, in the U.S. And so I've, I've been able to see, like, you know, some of these crowds uh, on some of these APW shows, you know, where they're running a smaller, uh, smaller buildings and, you know, just packing them. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's so cool to see because they're, I, I, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost, it's almost like there's such a, uh, a finite number of fans but they're actually reaching every single one of them in these in these independent areas. Like I have no idea if APW will be able to draw more than three thousand in the Cow Palace. Maybe if they had you know the 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 perfect main event or something. But I feel like they you know that there is a, a good number of people who would go again, and they're going to try to run it in in November. Now the draw was the fact that it was wrestling at the Cow Palace again. But you know the uh, they'll 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 have they'll have to make the you know the the, the right matches and bring in the right guys um, and uh, you know my buddy John who I'm going to do the WCW show with he is uh, he is the booker so I I kind of get to hear and see firsthand you know the things that work and the things that that maybe might not work as well as others but there are things that that are that are working you see someone like Cody Rhodes. Uh, who leaves WWE, like he literally says, I want out so that I can go do this other stuff. I have all of these, you know, bucket list things that I want to do. And, you know, I I don't imagine that that he's hurting, you know, or else he wouldn't have made that decision. So like you said, there are so many, there are so many, so many options. Now, what does that say about WWE, which is more and more, they are dictating their business to what they believe 
is their hardcore audience. The WWE Network is exactly what that is. And they've shown that there are, you know, 1.7 million people or whatever who are the diehards of the diehards. As Raw, uh, the audience and the rating keeps dropping, that heart that that WWE network audience is slightly increasing and that's an interesting trend like you know the your so it means like your hardest of hardcore fan base is slightly increasing while the casual audience is just declining um like you know almost never before so i don't even i don't know what that says i'm sure you know based on studies and stuff like with Meltzer analyzing the business we will sort of see exactly what that means but um you know the the independents are 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 so vital to uh to just the business overall but then you see guys still the the end goal is to be in WWE for a lot of these guys like their roster in a year or two is just going to be stocked with everybody who was on top in the indies 3 years ago yeah and um you know i think there was a time maybe from the start of this year to maybe WrestleMania, where the really where you looked at NXT and there was it was waiting for somebody to really grab it by the scruff of the neck and take the opportunities after it had been gutted by the main roster, um, that has now closed up again. You've got all these new guys come in. You've got you know Ro- Roderick Strong stepping up. You've got um, Alistair Black. You've got uh, Drew McIntyre. You've got Cassius Ono. And then on the, on the girl side, you've got Ruby Riot and um, Nikki Cross and Ember Moon, and um, then Kerry Hojo and Io Shirai are coming in as well. That roster is absolutely packed again. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, they, they've got more talent than they know what to do with, really, at the moment, and they're just keep signing. So. I don't know. I don't know how they can keep just keep stockpiling guys, you know. And you will get people who will say, you know, they're frustrated with who such and such being down in NXT. But when you look at how they transition onto the roster, the main roster, you you kind of question what 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 where's your frustration? You know, NXT are managing to kind of capture that indie buzz and put on a show that you know is a I think that that is a hot ticket. Um, and and your crowds are hot for whereas you know when you see these guys move up you you can look at guys like you know American Alpha for for instance who were, were really starting to make waves in NXT and then you know they mean pretty much nothing up on the main roster uh, you know a lot then there's people like you know Sasha or Bailey or even Nakamura who are you know who are, are success on the main roster but they don't have half of the buzz they had when they were down in NXT. No, yeah, it's 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 such a weird problem because I I mean, I can't think of uh I can't I, there's no parallel for me <laughs> like uh to think of like a sports parallel, right? Like you like you imagine like um uh let let's say uh, a college superstar who then leaves to the NBA you know, I guess there are some instances where the college superstar or the can't miss prospect does fail. So maybe maybe that's kind of what it is, but it's not because necessarily because um, you know because the team doesn't you know that doesn't put him in the right place. It's usually because they just were not good enough and they were able to play as well play very well against lesser competition. But in this case, you have guys who are like 
over like gangbusters and then when they they come to the big roster where there's where it's supposed to be like the marketing engine of all marketing engines and to make you a star and they they just don't connect with the audience like i don't i i i do wonder if that changes when uh when triple h is fully in charge because i imagine some of that has to do with you know vince mcmahon just being you know, 72 years old or whatever he is versus when he was, you know, in his 40s or, or, or 50s even. And it seemed like he was he always was sort of on the cusp of of, of what the, the next thing was. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's like, you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, WWE should kind of ignore you know, the core wrestling audience, because that's always going to be there. But I, I think it's a case to be made that, like, you know, it's not always going to be there. They are driving those people off. I mean, there's people like myself and yourself who, who watch WWE because because we are fans. But how long has it been since, you know, we've consistently enjoyed their week-to-week television? You know, and it, it, that that should be there. That should, that should be an audience that's like almost a hundred percent locked in for them. And you know, they're they're slowly driving that away. And I think that I think that's the big problem. And I think that audience is looking to places like the Indies, where there's you know, there is so many shows. That whether 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 it's you know, in the Cow Palace or whether you know it's it's on looking to new japan or cmll or if it's looking to europe or if it's looking to other us indie groups like um pwg or shikara or any of these groups there, there, there's a lot of pro, a lot of people who are doing pro wrestling right at the moment and the, uh, you know the the fans are enjoying so why wouldn't they why wouldn't they look elsewhere right yeah, no, completely agree. Uh, okay, so before we get out of here, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Extreme Rules uh, main event. I, I know as a as a pro wrestling fan, we just talked about what excites us and 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 what is failing us, which is uh, WWE. But I, you know, I I know you're still following you know the product somewhat closely. Um, and there is an interesting match this weekend, which is a fatal five way uh, on the Raw side. Which is uh, which? Which I, I wrote about. I, I kind of wrote, uh, you know, who I think is going to win based on you know where where booking is right now, and I might be completely wrong, but um, but they uh, you know they've had to kind of create uh, and book on the fly because I think from if you can even call it long term booking, I think the plan was Roman Reigns and, Bra- and Braun Strowman again as the main event, but Strowman is hurt, and now it is a five way between Roman Seth. Finn Balor, uh, Bray Wyatt, and Samoa Joe. And on the surface, all five guys are amazing in of themselves and, you know, just like, wow, like I I like all of them um, to some degree. But it still seems like it's it's not as important um, as it it could be because – the guys just seem really flat based on what, what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you always struggle with a multi-man main event. I think it's, it's hard to build five guys correctly. Um, in terms of this one, I guess I, I, I know you handicapped the odds for them. So we can talk a little bit about that. Like I'll start by just saying in order of what I would like to see. Um, I think coming in dead last, you ha- you would have Bray Wyatt. Um, 
and he's a guy and you talked a, bit, a little bit about this in the article you wrote it's like you know he speaks well he wrestles well but he just never connects for me um i can't really ever think of one really good bray wyatt feud um to me a match with him and lesnar at the moment would just be a waste of lesnar i would stay away from that um my, the one I next have least interest in would be Reigns. And I know uh, Vince is probably loading this up on SoundCloud right now going, come on, guys, that's my main event, that's my main event for next year's WrestleMania. But no, I, I, I think that would be, I, I actually think that's a perfectly fine match. But I also, as soon as that started, started being rumored for next year's Mania, I was against the idea of pushing it at the peril of everything else because I just, I think that would be the wrong move. I don't think it's going to be a Cena-Rock one-level match. I, I think it will be a big match, but I don't think it's going to be huge. Um, the next one, the who I uh, my third least, it, its third most interest would be in uh, Seth Rollins, which I think this is the one they actually should go with now, though, because I think I don't think they need to protect uh, Seth. I think he can go right into a match with Brock right away, and I think it will probably be a pretty damn good match. I think they have a good styles matchup. Um, and then my two preferred ones would be Balor and Joe. And I just think it's too soon for either of those those matches. My number one one would, would be Samoa Joe, just because I think they can do a really good job kind of building that up in, you know, you know I would, I would, kind of do what TNA did when they when they uh, had Ang- Angle and Joe it kind of built up almost like an MMA feud I would go go the full way on that and you know use things like uh, WWE 20, 24 or something like something like the network uh, one of the network shows to kind of build up that their training and you know the physicality of that match and what they're doing to prepare themselves I would go I would go into that for that type of thing and build it up as you know Joe as the one guy who can really stand there and fight fight with Brock and 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 live up with him physically, and I think that could be a really big match. Balor, I just think is a really interesting Styles match, just both in terms of the wrestling style and their size. Um, I, I like that's one I'd really like to see well as well. But with both of those ones, I think if you do it now, it's squandering it. I think you know it needs a little bit more time to marinate. Now. Um Balor, I think. Did you watch the twenty four, the WWE twenty four on the network about him? Yeah. What it? I, I, you know, I, I think at some, there was a there was a couple of parts where it was a little long, like they stretched it out to an hour, and maybe they had like. I think 40, that's always the, always the problem with WWE. It's yeah. always, it's always that little when they do any of those documentaries they do, they always drag a bite a little bit too much out of them. You know, they repeat the same things yeah. over and over again. They have really long montages, and it just gets a little bit long in the tooth. But it was very effective, nonetheless. Yeah, no, I thought you know for forty minutes it was really good, and it just it just made me think like everything says that they believe in this guy and that they want this guy to succeed. But I feel like if they put him into a match today with Brock Lesnar, it 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 would not be as competitive maybe as as we would want it. And thus that's kind of why I want to keep him away a little bit. Now, I mentioned the the three-way opportunity like, you know, what if Finn and and say Seth uh 
had a, a you know got into a three way and I'm, and the and the reason why I said this I was thinking of the really good three way that happened uh, a couple years ago at Royal Rumble with Lesnar, Seth, and John Cena. Like you could do you could do a match like that. Um, and but I feel like if they do a match with Balor, it's gonna last eight and a half minutes. Um, he's gonna get tossed uh, on a, on the back of his neck about twelve times, and then he's gonna you know. Then then Lesnar will eat his lunch, and I just don't want to see that yet because I don't think that they've built him up quite enough into the star that he needs to be to where a loss like that wouldn't hurt him. Um, and and but you know, I I just think he's got something that they don't have right now, and they need to figure out how to kind of unearth that in him. And I even mentioned you know having him turn heel as a way to kind of. Uh, change him up a little bit and then you just you bring him back babyface obviously after he gets over as a heel you know in eight months or a year or whatever but there's just something there that might be missing from you know the the guys who uh who 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 they have on top now like a roman reigns who's like so comes across so much as like the next John Cena company man does everything right, says all the right things. Um, Seth Rollins is, has been a little less inspiring for me. Like I thought he was going to be great and I think he's still good, but you know, there's something about him where they've dropped the ball and they've obviously dropped the ball with Bray Wyatt and it's not time for Samoa Joe. I just, there's something about Balor where I go, okay, he stands out and how do they not screw him up? And thus I don't want him in this match. Yeah, like uh, I would be on the on the same page as you with that. I think with both Joe and Balor, it's too soon, and for that reason, I think you know you're right. I think it, Rollins is the one you go with. Now, um, what would you if you were booking Balor's next, say, three feuds? What would it, what would you do in order to to get him to that next level? Um, who would you put it? I I just feel like with the split brands. Um, it takes away uh, possible opponents. Like, you know, Balor and Miz might be fine, but it's not going to be the feud that's going to launch Balor, you know, higher or, you know, even Balor versus Dean Amber. Like, who cares, right? Like, I, I, that's part of the problem with him uh, as a babyface, I think. It's just like, you know, who, like, what What do you do? Who do you put him in with? Who can he have these 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 matches that that sort of raise the bar for him? It's very hard to say because, like, you know, a lot of the guys that, you, you know, you maybe would have thought of are on uh, the the other brand. You look at, like, you know, Nakamura, you look at Styles. They're the type of guys you, you'd want to match them with. Um, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't really know who that guy is. And maybe it is the move to, tur- to, 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 to turn up heel. Because um, I think, you know, the idea you came up with, I think, would just naturally turn him back babyface in the long run anyway and and probably before before uh before long uh, if you if you want to kind of explain a little bit about what you what you had outlined oh if if Vince McMahon is still listening on SoundCloud <laughs> <laughs> my idea was uh be, and, and this is based off of the WWE 24 seeing how close he is to Carl Anderson um as a friend and knowing that, you know, Anderson and Gallows are a little uh, underutilized as well, I just just putting together, you know, the Balor Club with those three guys and turning heel and letting 
Balor's personality come out a little bit more. It strengthens those guys and it gives him two heaters on his, on, on his own. And then reuniting the shield for a short period of time because you don't want to do it, you know, for a long period of time. Though, you know, you could do it in a sense sort of like uh, evolution where, you know, no matter who was the who who was on top, they they or, or the four horsemen even you know they, they're they're just around each other like that you could do that as well. But I I saw I thought you know reunite the shield for a pay per view and it's Balor Club against the Shield as a SummerSlam draw and you could do something like that and then like you said that would make both teams cool again and it would probably eventually turn Balor back to face or at least you know that the just the the coolness of of him would would, would increase um but yeah it's stuff like that that I wish that they would do um but uh I I I don't know I don't I don't see them doing it I think they see Finn much like they see Roman as like their their chosen babyface who they're going to try to get over um uh, you know and and they have to get them over in conventional ways with facing the heels and blah 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 like i i just see uninspiring booking coming Balor's way and it's unfortunate if it does happen that way because i think he's definitely got something yeah and then um, i i th- i think it's just also kind of part of the problem is there's just there's not enough guys who are over enough to actually really, you, you know, to, to 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 really to really for for him to carry a babyface one at the moment. You know, you know, you put him in a feud with Bray Wyatt. You know, that's not that's not going to do a lot for him. You put him in a feud with uh, the Miz. That's not going to do a lot for him. All these guys, you know, there's nobody who really stands out for the front pack. And maybe like if you did flip him over. To, 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 to the heel side, and then then you you know obviously you ha- you could you know uh, go go with him with Rollins again. Uh, you know there's the natural feud there. There's him and Reigns. Um, you could do something with him and Ambrose, like the whole three shield guys. And you know even guys like the Hardys. You could do like if you had if you had the Baller Club, you could possibly do something with the with the Hardys and put a third guy in with them as well. Mm-hmm. Like. There's a, it seems to be a lot a lot more legs legs to it if you if you flip them that way. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. Um, so with WWE being a little flat, um, and and I'm being kind with with being a little. Um, the, I guess the last thing I wanted to end on was uh, just your final hot take a minute on uh, gender. I I I really don't know. You, you asked us this during the week, and I don't know. It, it, it's too early to, to to tell at the moment. My my take on it, I suppose, is that you know this is another example of WWE just kind of going against what their fans are telling them. Um, you know, Jinder's Jinder hasn't been booked as a star, and you know he was just slung into the main event and. They decided to put the belt on him. Like it was it, that that match with Orton was very hard to judge because it was such a polarizing thing. Because you know, there was, I think there was people because of uh, what Jinder's story was of just kind of coming out of nowhere. I think there was people who rallied behind him, and there was other people who kind of looked at it as like this makes no sense whatsoever, and went the other side. So he did get a big reaction on that. Will it mean anything for business? I think it 
probably doesn't. I think once that dies down, I think you've, you're back to having, you know, Jinder Mahal, a guy who really isn't all that great and, you know, hasn't been booked as a star since he, he joined WWE. And I think that's kind of what you're left with once the hype dies down off this. Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I hope he succeeds. Like he seems like a really smart guy and someone who's worked really hard to get where he's at. The only problem I have is again with the machine, with, with the company, they, they had him lose how many consecutive matches on raw and be treated like a joke. And then all of a sudden he's the number one contender and wins the world title on the other side. Like what a slap in the face to people who follow that product. Like not only is it a slap in the face of the fans, but it also makes SmackDown look so weak at the same time. And they could have avoided this. They could have done matches on, on SmackDown side for two to three months of just gender climbing that ladder gender, you know, it has a new, he's, he's got a new hunger. Like he's trying to prove that he's, you know, he's uh, a, a top guy and you have them go through guys on SmackDown and maybe, uh, maybe, you know, beats, uh, he beats AJ at the pay-per-view before SummerSlam. And then all of a sudden he's got his title shot with Randy Orton and it makes some sort of sense versus the way that they did it. So, I mean, that's my two cents. I, I think I'll probably write about it before the, uh, the next, uh, SmackDown pay-per-view, but, um, uh, everything I've seen and heard, and I've heard him on some podcasts. He's he seems like a really cool guy, so I, I hope he does well. But I just feel like WWE kind of set him up to fail, which is unfortunate. And not only that, they're probably setting up whatever the babyface who they're going to match with him to fail as well, because you know he's you know you put, you you put gender in with with with, with somebody who's who, so somebody you know they're instantly going against a guy who not really been booked as strong and is not really seen as a, as a t- top guy in the main event. And, you know, that may, that, your, your match falls flat and then, you know, that blame is on you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, um, I, the, the, the other thing about it is you're like, well, maybe they can save it. Maybe they can make things cool. But just knowing that they're so reactive to, you know, beating TNA to the India market with this character, uh, or even when, when Jim Ross was signed, it was like, oh, they signed Jim Ross mostly to keep him from doing the world of sports show. It's just like, they're so reactive to stuff like that. They could, they change their business plans on the whim of things that they should not even really be all that worried about because if they do their jobs and they, and they, uh, make the wrestling stuff work, it, it, all that stuff doesn't matter, and um, it's just it's just uh, it, it's just interesting. I I, I don't I, I see them as you know on one end we just talked about the the NXT stuff and all the guys that they're bringing in and how they can make them look so good, and then on the other end you look at their business uh, decisions and what those stem from Twitter followers and <laughs> YouTube views and stuff like that, and you go how is one end of this company so smart and this other end so reactive it's just so weird yeah and um i i, I don't know it's it, 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 i don't i don't think it's so, something that's going to going to improve anytime soon you know uh wwe have, have very controlling over of how their brand is presented and you know i, I think you know that's part of the problem it is 
so re- it, 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 everything is so controlled at the moment that uh, you know I, I think I think a lot of fans are, are struggling to connect 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 because of that. That I guess we could we we could wrap up there. Um, maybe we will try and 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 get together again with some of these uh, some of these bigger fights coming up. But we are going to get back on that uh, Fab Fab Four podcast uh, idea that we have. We did a bunch of shows already. I will also re-up those into the SoundCloud feed so people who um, are didn't listen to them can listen to them again, and and the, and they'll sort of seg right into. Uh, the one that we haven't done yet, which is probably the one of the biggest ones, which is uh, Hagler and Leonard um, from 1987, I guess, right? 1987. So that that's the next one that we're doing, the next uh, sort of docupod or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, that, and so we will we will be getting back on the track with those because we 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 don't have that many left to do to finish out the series. So we kind of took a break at, uh, at halftime, if you want to call it, and then we could, we'll, we'll do the rest. But, um, I want to thank Duan for, for hanging out and spending some time. I know it's very late where you are. So, uh, hope you, uh, hope you have a good weekend. And, uh, for me, um, we will, uh, we will be back. Uh, the podcast is going to be a, a big project and we have a lot of pieces of that to, to, to get, do, uh, to get down, but just um, actually um, distributing it was, has always been sort of a, a thing that I wanted to do better. And hopefully, because of the changes that we've made and the rebranding and all that stuff, that will be a lot better. So for doing I am Double G, we will see you when we see you. Peace out.